Welcome back, coming Brainiacs to the podcast, talking about Robert Stephen <clears throat> Hawker, Thomas Wade, and Francis Marnie. Swim says Hawker was an Anglican priest who lived in Cornwall near Tentangel Castle and purported home, the purported home of King Arthur. Wade contributed verse to magazines, and for some years he was an editor as well as part proprietor of Bell's Weekly Messenger. When it proved financially unsuccessful, he edited the British press, continuing to publish poetry until 1871. Marnie was an Irish humorist and journalist. One form which his humour took was the professed discovery of the originals of in Latin, Greek or medieval French. Of popular modern poems and songs, he pretended that these poems had been found in Fr- Friar Prout's trunk after his death. Cool. <clears throat> That's our introduction to our poets. Um, now, who are we reading? We are reading Elizabeth Barrett Browning. 1806 to 1861, Rosalind Scroll. I left thee last a child at heart, a woman scarce in years. I come to thee a solemn corpse which neither feels nor fears. I have no breath to use in sighs. They laid the dead weights on mine eyes to seal them safe from tears. Look on me with thine own calm look. I meet it calm as thou. No look of thine can change the smile or break thy sinful vow. I told thee that my poor scorned heart is of thine earth, thine earth apart. I cannot vex thee now. I have prayed for thee with bursting sob when passion's course was free. I have prayed for thee with silent lips in the anguish none could see. They whispered oft, she sleepeth soft, but I only prayed for thee. Go to, I pray for thee no more, the corpse's tongue is still. Its folded fingers point to heaven, but point their stiff and chill. No farther wrong, no farther woe, hath license from the sin below, its tranquil heart to thrill. I charge thee, by the living prayer, and the dead's silentness, to wring from out thy soul a cry which God shall hear and bless, lest heaven's own palm droop in my hand, and pale among the saints I stand, a saint companionless. The Deserted Garden I mind me in the days of departed how oft underneath the sun with childish bounds I used to run to a garden long deserted. The beds and walk were van- vanished quite and wheresoever had struck the spade the greenest grasses nature laid to sanctify her right. I called the place my wilderness for no one entered there but I, the sheep, looked in the grass to spy and pass it nevertheless. The trees were interwoven wild and spread their bows enough about to keep both sheep and shepherd out, but not a happy child. Adventurous joy it was for me, I crept beneath the bows and found a circle, smooth of mossy ground, beneath a poplar tree. Old garden rose trees hedged it in, bedropped with roses waxen white, while well satisfied with dew and light, and careless to be seen. Long years ago it might befall when all the garden flowers were trim, the grave old garden deprided him on these the most of all. Some lady stately over much here, moving with a silken noise, has blushed beside them at the voice that likened her to such. Or these, to make a diadem, she often may have plucked and twined, 
half smiling as it came to mind that few would look at them. Oh, little thought that lady proud a child would watch her fair white rose when buried lay her whiter brows and silk was changed for shroud. Nor thought that gardener full of scorns for men unlearned and simple phrase a child would bring it all its praise by creeping through the thorns. To me upon my low moss seat, though never a dream the rose's scent of science or love's compliment, I ween the smell is sweet. I did not move my grief to see the trace of human step departed, because the garden was deserted, the blither place for me. <clears throat> Friends, blame me not, a narrow ken hath childhood twixt the sun and sward. We draw the moral afterward, we feel the gladness then, and gladdest hours for me did glide in silence. At the rose-tree wall a thrush made gladness musical upon the other side, nor he nor I did ever incline to peck or pluck the blossoms white. How should I know but that they might lead lives as glad as mine? To make my hermit home complete I brought clear water from the spring, praised in its own low murmuring and creases glossy wet. And so I thought my likeness grew without the melancholy tale to gentle hermit of the dale, and Angelina too, for oft I read within my nook such minstrel stories till the breeze made sounds poetic in the trees, and then I shut the book. If I shut this wherein I write, I hear no more the wind athwart. Those trees, nor feel that childish heart delighting in delight. My childhood from my life is parted, my footsteps from the moss which drew its fairy circle around new. The garden is deserted. Another thrush may there rehearse the madrigals, which sweetest are, no more for me, myself afar, do sing a sad verse. Ah me, ah me, where erst I lay, in that child's nest so greenly wrought, I laughed unto myself and thought, the time will pass away. And still I laughed and did not fear, but that, whenever we passed away, the childish time some happier play my womanhood would cheer. I knew the time would pass away, and yet beside the rose-tree wall, dear God, how seldom, if at all, did I look up to pray. The time is past, and now that grows, the cypress high among the trees, and behold white sepulchres, as well as the white rose. When wiser, meeker thoughts are given, and I have learned to lift my face, reminded how earth's greenest peace place the colour draws from heaven. It something saith for earthly pain, but more for heavenly promise free, that I who was would shrink to be that happy child again. Consolation All are not taken, there are left behind living beloved's tender looks to bring, and make the daylight still a happy thing, and tender voices to make soft the wind, but if it were not so, if I could find... No love in all this world for comforting, nor any path but hollowly did ring, where dust to dust the love from life disjoined, and if before the sepulchres unmoving I stood alone as some forsaken lamb, goes bleating up the moors in weary dearth, crying, Where are ye, O my loved and loving? I know a voice would sound, Daughter I am. Can I suffice for heaven and not for earth? <coughs> Uh, grief. 
Sonnets from the Portuguese I tell you hopeless grief is passionless That only men incredulous of despair Half taught in anguish Through the middle midnight air Beat upward to God's throne In loud access of shrieking and reproach Full desertness In souls as countries Leith silent bear Under the blanching vertical eye glare Of the absolute heavens Deep-hearted man express grief for thy dead in silence like to death, most like a monumental statue set in everlasting watch and moveless woe, till itself crumble to the dust beneath. Touch it, the marble eyelids are not wet. If it could weep, it could arise and go. 1. I thought once how Theatricus had sung of the sweet years, the dear and wished-for years, who... Each one in a gracious hand appears to bear a gift for mortal, old and young. And I mused it in his antique tongue. I saw in gradual vision through my tears, the sweet sad years, the melancholy years, those of my own life who by turns had flung a shadow across me straightway I was aware. So weeping how a mystic shape did move behind me and drew me backward by the hair. And a voice said in mastery, while I strove, Guess now who holds thee, death, I said, but there, The silver answer rang, not death, but love. Number two. Unlike are we, unlike, O princely heart, Unlike our uses and our destinies, Our ministering two angels look surprise on one another, As they strike athwart their wings in passing, Thou bethink thee art a guest, for queens to social pageantries, with gauges from a hundred brighter eyes than tears even can make mine to play thy part of chief musician, what hast thou to do? With looking from the lattice lights at me, a poor tired wandering singer singing through the dark and leaning up a cypress tree, the chrism is on thine head, on mine the dew. And death must dig the level where these agree. Number three. Go from me, yet I feel that I shall stand henceforward in thy shadow. Never more alone upon the threshold of my door of individual life I shall command the uses of my soul, nor lift my hand serenely in the sunshine as before, without the sense of that which I forbore. Thy touch upon the palm, the widest land, doom takes to part us, leaves thy heart in mine with pulses that beat double what I do, and what I dream include thee, as the wine must taste of its own grapes, and when I sue God for myself, he hears that name of thine, and sees within my eyes the tears of two. Number four. If thou must love me, let it be for naught, except for love's sake only. Do not say, I love her for her smile, her look, her way of speaking gently, for a trick of thought that falls in well with mine, and certes brought a sense of pleasant ease on such a day, for these things in themselves, beloved, may be changed, or change for thee, and love so wrought may be unwrought so. Neither love for me, for thine own dear pity's wiping my cheeks dry. A creature might forget to weep who bore thy comfort long, and loose thy love thereby. 
But love me for love's sake, that evermore thou mayest love on through love's eternity. <clears throat> Five. When our two souls stand up erect and strong, face to face, silent, drawing nigh and nigher, until the lengthening wings break into fire, at either curving point what bitter wrong can the earth do us, that we should not long be here contented, think in mounting higher, the angels would press on us and aspire, to drop some golden orb of perfect song into our deep, dear silence, let us stay, rather on earth, beloved, where the unfit, contrarious moods of men recoil away and isolate pure spirits and permit a place to stand and love in for a day with darkness and the death hour rounding it. A musical instrument. Last one for tonight. I think. Um, maybe. One more. Maybe one more. A musical instrument. What was he doing, the great god Pan, down in the reeds by the river, spreading ruin and scattering bands, splashing and paddling with hooves of a goat, and breaking the golden lilies afloat with the dragonfly on the river. He tore out a reed, the great god Pan, from the deep, cool bed of the river. The limpid water turbidly ran, and the broken lilies a dying lay, and the dragonfly had fled away ere he brought it out of the river. High on the shore sat the great god Pan, while turbidly flowed the river and hacked and hewed as a great god can, with his hard bleak steel, at the patient reed, till there was not a sign of the leaf indeed, to prove it fresh from the river. He cut it short, did the great god pan, how tall it stood in the river, then drew the pith, like the heart of a man, steadily from the outside ring, and notched the poor dry empty thing in holes as he sat by the river. This is the way, laughed the great god pan, laughed while he sat by the river, the only way, since gods began to make sweet music, they could succeed. Then dropping his mouth to a hole in the reed, he blew in power by the river. Sweet, 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 O oh Pan, piercing sweet by the river. Blinding sweet, O oh great god Pan, the sun on the hill forgot to die. And the lilies revived, and the dragon fly came back to dream on the river. Yet half a beast is the great god Pan to laugh as he sits by the river, Making a poet out of a man, the true gods sigh for the cost of pain and pain, for the reed which grows never more again as a reed with the reeds of a river. Frederick Tennyson, I'm going to read his poem because it's just a short one and we'll get one more poet under our belt. Frederick Tennyson, 1807 to 1898. Here we go, 91 years old. Might be our oldest surviving uh, oldest, longest living poet. The Holy Tide is his poem. The days are sad, it is the holy tide. The winter morn is short, the night is long. So let the lifeless hours be glorified with deathless thoughts and echoed in sweet song. And through the sunset of this purple cup they will resume the roses of their prime and the old dead will hear us and wake up past the dim smiles and make our hearts sublime. The days are sad, it is the holy tide. Be dusky mistletoes and holies strewn, sharp as a spear that pierced his sacred side, red as the drops upon his thorny crown, no haggard passion and no lawless mirth, fright off the solemn muse, tell sweet old tales, sing songs as we sit brooding over the hearth, till the lamp flickers and the memory fails. There we go, poems done, 
two poems done. We are making great progress. We're nearly at... We might have actually reached... Did we? Hang on, 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 hang on. We did. We, we reached page 801. We've passed, passed into the 800s. There's only a thousand and something pages in this book, so we're closing in on the end here. Very exciting. All right, folks, thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.